Welcome to Living Life as a Visual Thinker. I'm Betty Fetter, and I want to share what it means to be a visual thinker. We'll find out how it affects us at school and on the job, and we'll share success stories from visual thinkers, young and old. Hi, thanks for joining us today. Well, back to school is um, right around the corner, or it's here for some kids. And I want to talk a little bit about, I have a guest with me today, a mother of three kids. And I want to talk a little bit about what's been happening to get ready for school. But, um, you know, kind of what are the things that you've probably been doing over the summer, but could easily transition into getting ready for the school year? So thank you for joining me today. We have Pam. Pam and I work together at Young Rembrandts. And Pam, you have three kids. How old are they now? 17, <clears throat> 15, and 11. And we've talked a little bit before, and I think your oldest, your daughter, um, who's 17, and then your daughter, who's 11, they're more uh, left brain, auditory, sequential learners, right? Correct. You've said, like, they seem to just, it just works, right? It does. They, they've always had a very easy time learning new things. Okay. So then your son is the 15-year-old, and he um, is more of a visual learner. And what makes you think that, other than we talk, I talk about this kind of stuff at work, but what makes you think he's a visual learner? I think that started very young. I would say even as early as first grade when his teacher gave me some suggestions on how to help him study for his spelling test. And as I learned, he needed to manipulate. We used Scrabble tiles to study for spelling because then he could move the letters into the order and it was much more fun, but it also made a lasting impression on him, so he ended up doing much better once we learned how to work with him. Wow, exactly. Visual kids really need it to be hands-on, manipulative. That is exactly when the learning happens, is when they touched it and they moved it around, that's when it became real. It just doesn't stick when it's only coming in their ears. And then have you noticed over the years, you know, because now he's 15, he's going to be a sophomore, have you noticed he just learns differently than the girls? He does, and I think, honestly, even in high school, one of the things I've recently learned is when they have to do presentations, he does a great job because he usually has a prop of some kind, he's talking, he doesn't have to write, and that's where he's shining when he's in high school. The My Shy Kid likes to do presentations because he gets them. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because as much as that visual learner, we like to hands-on and do things, but visual people, much more collaborative, much more we don't like the verbal when it's written, but usually much more verbal and collaborative and different ideas and multidimensional. So yeah, we I could see where he would enjoy those kinds of activities more. Well, you know, let's talk about, like I think for the most part, we think in, um, when we're getting ready for school, we think reading, writing, math. But I know your family is a big science family. So what kind of activities do you do even for science? So it's not much getting them ready for the school year, but for you, it's about exposing them consistently to learning. So what kinds of things do you do over the summer even for for science? We, we've tried to do some fun experiments. We did something with ivory soap in the microwave earlier in the summer, and that still resonates. They still talk about that. A lot of times my girls will buy white carnations, and they want to try the different ways to get them colored and do different colors 
make a difference mm-hmm. in how quickly they color. So they, they keep going back to some things or they just get curious about something. We go to a lot of science museums. We're lucky in our area. We have a lot of science museums, and they're having fun. They don't even know they're learning. So, mm-hmm. But it's inter- all that learning is very multisensory and very yes. hands-on and really supports when the kids are do learn well through a book, but it makes it very real. Um, okay, so let's talk about over the last few Now, you have two kids in high school, but... Over the last few years, between high school and middle school, what are your thoughts on with high school and middle school kids reading? So many times, I remember my kids had reading lists in the summer. Usually, the last week or two of summer was absolute torture because it was everything they didn't do. But what um, are some thoughts? Now, with your kids who aren't visual and they just love to read, did you have to do anything to kind of help them make sure the reading or the paper writing got done? I, I do have to remind them. So if they have reading that needs to be done by the time the school year starts, we'll look at the book, see how many pages it is, well, how many pages a day do you have to read, so when do you have to start, add in a few days where they forget to read and things like that. So we do have to backtrack from when it's due to where are we now and how many days are you going to be able to read, and, and that has helped them in the past. Um, they tend to procrastinate. So I, I Oh, I can't <laughs> imagine that there are ever children or adults who want to procrastinate. Um, so your main thing with your kids who like reading and like, you know, are comfortable reading and writing their papers, it's really about helping them plan their time. Yes, to make sure we're not all stressed out because starting school is stressful enough for them. None of my kids sleep good the night before school starts. We want to make sure that they know what they're going into. They've done what they need to do, and it's not that last week before school where it's just crazy chaos in our house. I know. I always think, like, man, your last week of summer, do you really want it to be? Why well, used to joke my son? I'm going to have to duct tape you to that chair, you know, to get that reading done. And no, I didn't really duct tape him. But, um, but yeah, let's have some fun at the end. So planning it out. Now, with your... Um, son, the visual learner who reading might not be his favorite thing, and they get to more complex books, what kinds of things did you do to help him work through those higher level books? One of the things we did when he started high school is I started reading the same books he was reading because I I needed to discuss it with him because first of all, it gives us something to talk about. So, Mm -hmm. because there's not always, his one word answers most of the time. (laughs) 14 year old boys aren't like gushing with. (laughs) Right, so that helped. And then when it would come time to read it, to write a paper and he's struggling, I can say, well, remember that part in the book? Why don't you go look there? Does that pertain to this? And so that helped. And, And based on your advice, Betty, too, once he read the book, if there was a movie available, we watched the movie. And some books actually have cliff notes out there. So after we read the book, watched the movie, got the cliff notes and that helped him write his papers also because it kind of summarized things. In addition, we did use post-it notes throughout the books too, where he did to try to either, if there was a key event happening or there was some character descriptions, he would mark that in the book so that we knew to come back to that. You know, I think that's so good, especially with the visual kid. And if you just think about it, you just read a 250 page book and then you know, it's this glob of words, even if you liked it, and then later you're going to go back and you're going to write about it. You know, there's just so much. So I love the idea of the sticky notes as they're going along tagging some things 
to make it easier. And my son, who is definitely a visual learner, he absolutely in school, he sometimes read the cliff notes first. So he kind of knew what to expect in the book, but it was so nice. It just helped set a frame and because he didn't enjoy the reading, but at least he kind of got where it was going so he didn't get so overwhelmed. So, um, and then I love being able to watch the movie and read the same book. It was probably fun to have to go back and read some of the classics, right? It was, and there's some new ones out there too. So yeah. it was, it was helpful. I like to read, so it kind of gave me an excuse <laughs> to read and maybe put off some other things that I didn't want to do. So. Good. Um, and you know, overall, in your family, I know you are readers, and your kids do love to read. Your whole family is reading. What was, um, I think just this morning at work, we were talking about what happens in the car on the way to, on a road trip or whatever. My kids usually have books that they bring in the cars, and thankfully they can all read in the car without any problems. We just recently went on a two-hour car trip and they wanted to watch a movie and we told them you have to read for an hour and then we can put a movie in but the reading comes first and they know that and they already had their books ready so all it took was me to say no you're going to read for an hour and they they were fine with it and you know I love it and I think as a culture we're just getting a little sloppy that you know this technology makes everything so easy and to be able to say no come on let's there's both and to put it in perspective but you know, eat your broccoli before you eat your dessert. So right. read your book before you do it. Um, okay. Now, with writing, I think your older kids, they probably don't have as much writing. And we talked a little bit about writing that paper off of a book and, and preparing in advance. In elementary school, with your visual learner, were there anything, what did you do to kind of help him? Did he need help with this writing, like physically, the act of writing? And what kinds of things do you remember doing? What we did, even before they started kindergarten, I would print worksheets off the internet. There's some that they can trace the letters. Um, and then what we would do also to make it more fun, we'd give them either different colored pens or markers or crayons or something fun so it's not just writing in black, boring hand handwriting. <laughs> so it makes it a little bit more fun. I was telling Betty that sometimes at our house it's hard to find a black or blue pen because we have all these fun writing instruments because at least it'll help them at home want to write a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I love it because you guys are very left brain in your house, but see, you're best. It's the best of both worlds that we have left and right, that we do the work and it's in color. Um, okay, so for math, let's talk math. That's one of the other key areas is reading and math. And for visual kids, math can be tough because the, the school tends to teach how to do the computation, do this formula, do this formula, do this this way, and you you know do a lot of problems. And um, but what visual kids really need is practice with concept. They have to know why does it matter, and how does it fit into the kinds of other math. And then when they're young, oh my gosh, they need manipulatives. And math so builds. If you don't have an understanding of that core concept man, you are completely, you know, if you didn't understand fractions and then you're still doing all this fancy stuff, you are, it, the problems just build. So you have always done something in the summer about math, knowing that you want to make sure there's a solid foundation, right? We have. We've done math workbooks. Um, one of our most successful math workbook programs were um, using math workbooks that focused on story problems. 
especially with the Common Core and the kids having to go into more detail of what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it. So this was very helpful. It, it honestly made a very big difference in my daughter's math scores. At the beginning of the school year, they actually asked me, what did you do with her over the summer? Because her math test scores jumped. And she was, she's good at math anyway, but this she was just so extra Here's push. this kid that was already really good at math, but you gave her these other, now was this your 15 or your? Uh, my 11-year-old. Your 11 So she was already good at math. But by doing that extra, there was a significant increase again. There was, and at first I forgot what we had done, and I said, I don't know. And I said, oh, we did a lot of story problems over the summer, and that just helped. And we cook a lot, too, from when the time they were little. So fractions, my kids should never have a problem with fractions. because <laughs> Fourth of a between, cup. Right, Fourth between of baking teaspoon. or even grilled cheese sandwiches or cutting it in quarters. How do you want yours cut in quarters and halves and eighths? So we've always talked about that with cooking and food, too. And they have the visual, and they've participated in it, and right. they can name it. Well, and you know what I love, too, about the idea of those workbooks with story problems? You do have to think, you know, they set the problem up. Again, when you're visual and it's just do this computation, who cares? But the story problem, you have a chance of getting a little engaged in it. I was going to say emotionally engaged, but I guess that depends on how good the story problem is. But you can be a little more engaged in why and have to think it through a little bit more. It makes it more interesting. And you can use manipulatives with that, too. I mean, M&Ms were always a big favorite in our house to use oh, yeah. for math problems. Yeah. So. M&Ms and Skittles, those mm -hmm. are our go-to manipulatives. Um, and for your summer, and so I would encourage this even now as you're going into the school year, you just did one workbook per child. So it's right. not like you're going to make these kids do a workbook every week. One per child over the summer, and it kind of went into the school year, right? Right. Ideally, it was three times a week to work on. They all worked on them at the same time so that no one was doing off doing something that others considered fun and they were working on their school work. And also at that time too, they can kind of help each other. They can help the younger ones out too, if they need to. Mm, good. Now, the other tool that you use, which is such a phenomenal tool, is Khan Academy. And if you, as parents, if you have not heard of Khan Academy, we just both really want to encourage you to check it out. Khan, K-A-H-N, Academy, and it's this free website. It's very robust. It's very impressive. And it was built from, it really started, there was a fellow named, I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Khan. Khan. Um, and he was helping, you know, he worked in high-tech industry, very um, intelligent, you know, sophisticated. He was helping his niece, niece or nephew, niece yeah. with a math problem or something, and he would make little videos or tutorials and either, you know, do them, but, you know, there was a distance apart. So whether it was a video or a, how he delivered it, but realizing how much it helped her. And it just saw this opportunity for, um, it's really uh, coaching, tutoring, um, supplementing, learning. And their tutorials, oh my gosh, every age group, every subject matter, they're only about, what do you think, five to seven minutes long. Right. So you can either, so tell us how you've done it with your kids. And and they're also so visually interesting, right? They are. They they do, this actually during this past school year, my son was struggling with geometry. So in addition to school, when he would come home, we'd sit down and he'd go and look at the videos. And the Khan Academy videos, his textbook was online too, and they had videos. But to be quite honest, they were 
pretty boring videos. <laughs> so the Khan Academy videos, they use different colored markers or pens and visuals so that at least it keeps you a little bit more engaged. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful to him. And in, sometimes the teacher, either he got distracted during class and didn't hear what the teacher said, he didn't understand it but didn't want to ask. So at least here he could watch a video, go practice some problems, and if he still doesn't get it, go back to the video until he grasps the concept. And it's so nice at home because then it's private. You're not looking, you don't want to be the kid in class who's holding everybody up even though the other half of the class doesn't understand it either. But that privacy and to be able to, so it's just really paying attention to what's going on, what what they're working on, and right. then finding that appropriate tutorial at home. So how does it work in terms of, you know, do you set up a profile or how does it work? So each of the kids has their own profile and it does ask their age, but then you get to kind of set where you want them to be or what you want them to work on and then you as a parent you get a report so for me that was important because I'm not always home during the day so the kids I wanted to make sure they were really doing what they said they were doing so you do get a report of who was on it how much they were on it and what their percent of success rate was on it so you can set them up to review something they already know you can set them up to learn something they don't know and it'll just keep taking them to the, the next concept in the math section. So if it's algebra, it'll keep taking them further and further in the algebra. And you know, the good part about that, you know, for if you as a parent are really like intimidated or that wasn't your favorite subject, kind of academy, like don't, don't be stopped because they, once you explain what level they're at, they'll recommend things, right? Right. And so it's not that you have to be this genius math teacher to know what to lead your kids on. Khan Academy does that profile to get a sense of who they are, what they're learning at that age group, but they've got it set up where they'll recommend things, you know, for your kids. And then you can see by their success rate if they, you don't want to just keep plowing through it, give them the time to go again and again as much as they need until they really have that mastered. And again, in math, this is so important because everything builds. And if you're missing a key piece of the foundation, all that you're just going to have trouble forever in, you know, every time it touches that. So um, how else did you use Khan Academy? Or, you know, would you say now, now the school year is going to start in a few weeks. Is there anything to do with Khan Academy if they haven't been doing it? I think we are going we are going to be doing some more things in there. So for my daughter who I know is going to be learning pre-algebra, we're going to get her started with that so it's not a foreign concept. It gets a little bit harder when they're in high school for me because I can't check their work. I don't know calculus. So if I get my daughter set up on doing or reviewing concepts prior to calculus or my son to review algebra 1 2 before he goes into algebra 3 4, that helps me because there's no way to be quite honest that I can remember how to do all that and they will tell me whether they got it right yeah. or not but it's just some reviewing before they get to school what i love about that we've been talking this summer about the summer brain drain and you know you don't do algebra in three months or two and a half months like wow so just that light touch of remembering some concepts you are giving your kids such a tremendous gift to kind of go back in cobwebs are dusted off they remember where they were and now they're ready to start again. So that's huge. So absolutely, like, get the kids all up on their profile. So no matter what level of math your kids are at, get their profile set up now, here in August. 
get the profile set up, have them retread some things that they did at the end of the school year and get them warmed up and then you know, be on the watch for what's next in terms of school and getting that going. And what did you do, like three times a minute, three times a week, 20 minutes at a time, or what? Right. You know, I can't overwhelm them, and I don't want to be the mean mom that's making them do schoolwork. But, you know, when you you break it down for them, you know, 60 minutes a week is, is not that long of a time for them to do it. If they do it in 20-minute breaks, and for the high schoolers, that could only be, a, you know, potentially could just be a few problems, but at least they're doing something with their brain. Yeah. And if you, we, if you focus kind of on the reading and math that's really not that much either when you think there's two things you're going to consistently do and I know at our house we did that where oh I don't have any homework there's a little something you know there's still something to do at home that's very positive and you know I do think I know Pam as a parent you see you're very involved and very aware of what your kids are doing you're involved in your schools but you also see such a direct benefit to your children. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, I hope that is helpful today. And again, Pam, I really appreciate it. And I always really appreciate that you're very sensitive to the way your kids learn differently. So you have a, um, you have very much a non-discrimination policy. Everybody's going to read. Everybody's going to do their math. But you are sensitive to that they may need to do it a little bit different ways, but they still need to do whatever they need to do. And um, there's very simple, fun, um, lighthearted ways to get things set up so that you're not always having to be on top of it or stress about it. You don't, nobody, moms don't need more homework either. So it's good to, these ways of getting it set. Here's your workbook, just do it 20 minutes a day. You don't have to think about this every time. Or with Khan Academy, here's the program, just follow the program. So a little bit more front work, but then release them and they just follow through with what got set up. Well, thank you, Pam. Thanks for um, what you do with your kids and thanks for sharing. And if you want more information about this summer brain drain or some thoughts, come to our website um, or blog, bettyfetter.com. We have tons of resources, especially for those young kids, lots of those um, handwriting papers and things of sight words, getting ready to read and doing math. And we have lots of um, posts this summer about apps for reading and writing and kind of warm-up tools. So we're off to a getting ready for a great school year, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks.